0: Hey everybody this is Dave Brodbeck coming to you from my podcast video which is actually in my daughter's old bedroom anyway uh, coming up psychology three two five six advanced univariate uh, statistics it used to be called design and analysis but that was a stupid name so we changed it uh, I hope you like it this is for fall of 2019 by the way and uh, you like it or not look you have to know stats so uh Okay,
1: so today we're going to talk about probability mass functions, or uh, basically sampling distributions. Okay, anybody listening at home or watching on YouTube, uh, I can't do anything but that horrible noise. It's a horrible noise. It's coming from inside the room. And call's coming from inside the house. So, there's nothing I can do. I have to no apologize. So, um, you can get the probability, plot, plot the probability of any given score for some variable. So, variables just something, you know, uh, there's different uh, possible scores. And then you've got the probability of getting that score. And you can plot that. Uh we graph that up. It's pretty simple. The probability of all possible events of all the scores added together is 1. Right? Think about a very simple example. Think about flipping a coin. You can get a head or a tail. The probability of the head is 0.5. The probability of the tail is 0.5. 0.5 plus 0.5 is 1. The probability of all possible events is 1 you add them all together, all the events. Okay? So that means then that the area under the curve is one. So if you were to figure out the area underneath a curve of these, so sort of these, these probabilities, then you plot the curve, and you've got that mass of stuff that's what's called a probability mass function, or it's a density function, um, it would be one. You all the possible scores and their probabilities. Okay. Does that make sense so far? Because if you get that, everything should be fine. If you don't get that, it's you're going to have trouble with the rest of the class. Do you say that one more time? You're going to have trouble for the rest of the class. No. <laughs> uh, I did it with the same intonations <laughs> did uh, Okay, so there's a curve, and okay, underneath that curve, well, the curve itself is all the scores along here along the x-axis and y has all the probabilities of getting those scores. Now, because the probability of all possible events, if you add them all up, is one, right? Then the area underneath that curve, the amount of stuff in the curve, is one. Does it make sense? Yes. Okay, so the probability of all possible events then is one. And the area under the curve, then, of one of these probability mass functions is going to be 1. It is always going to be 1. Unless you haven't to applied to all the possible probabilities, or you miss some scores. So as long as you plot all the scores and all the probabilities, the area under that curve is going to be 1. So let's say we have a die roll, which is the sort of classic stats prof example. It's rolling a die, or it's flipping a coin, or it's drawing M&Ms at a pack. Those are the ones we all use. In uh, fact, MM's, the company that makes them, uh, figured out years ago that statistics professors were using the probability of getting a red one, a green one, a brown one. And if you write a way you can actually find out the population distribution. But they, they will do that for you. So if you send them an email, they will respond. They, they used to just publish these things and just send out these That's It's pretty great. So this is rolling a die. The probability of getting any given role is one out of six. So it's one and a sixth. So each of those bars holds a sixth. And six sixths is one. Right? Six sixths is one. Six times four over six is one. and from the six is you get a one. Simple example, that's what's called a, that's a uniform distribution, equal probability for every single possible score. Okay. You likely don't think of things like this in terms of graphs, you think of them as the chance of getting the same, getting any given die rule is always the same as assumes a fair die, of course. You don't have a the die. All right, so that's pretty straightforward. Now, that's just a way for me to introduce the idea of talking about a distribution that we care about more than any other, and that is the normal distribution. I typed normal distribution into Google Image Search, and this is the first one that came up. So the normal distribution is just like the distribution of variables. These are all possible x values along here. This is, in fact, an, a, a standard normal distribution because it has a mean of zero, it has a standard deviation of one, so it's a standard, a standard normal distribution or a Z distribution, right? What is it Z distribution? It's <laughs> fun going to conferences. You can always tell people if they're American or Canadian, the easiest way is when they say, Well, I did a Z test, mm-hmm. and people go, Oh, you were lost. <laughs> you to American University. That's hard when you're taught as a kid. So plus or minus one standard deviation is one. Plus or minus two, limit. That's not really that important. The point is that the area under that curve, if we had these probabilities here, if I actually had the numbers, which it doesn't matter, is you add all that up underneath that curve, it's one. Think about it. When you look something up in the z-table, you get these numbers, you never get a number greater than one for probabilities of, say, uh, up, to, up to including that value. Move that over. So the most common, and I guess, distribution, and at least it's the most useful. It may not be the most common one. It is common enough in nature uh, that we can make some statements like, I guess I'm, I can say that, but there's a lot of examples in like intro stats books that are just wrong. The premise of this, uh, right? So when you first start doing Z tests in, a, in an intro stats class, you get the probability of a light bulb lasting, uh, whatever, is in, in in days is you know has a mean of X and a standard deviation of whatever sigma. is uh, so you know, and sigma, and then uh, and it's normally distributed. And a light well, better not be normally distributed. Right. Any light bulb company would want to skim all the hell over to the left. Right? they want a great big hump on one side. They don't want to have a whole bunch of light bulbs that are... They don't want to have light bulbs that burn as soon as you put them in, as often as ones that last really, really long. They go out of the light bulb business pretty quickly. So it's actually a bad example, but it's used a lot. Anyway, to us it's useful because we know some math behind this. It's got some characteristics. It is unimodal. It is symmetrical and it's bell-shaped. It's a little symmetrical function. So we can talk about this characteristic shape. That's our distribution, and this is we care about this distribution because we can use it in statistics, and we use it a lot. And there's, it has some very, there's some really cool things that happen when you play with, uh, when you do some sampling. We end up with normal distributions while well, the population distribution we're interested in may not be normal, like the light bulbs, the sampling distributions are. Okay, questions again so far? Good? Okay. I'm going to close the board. It's somehow I'm going to make that sound worse, but it's not as bad as hearing people talk. So, why is this useful? Um, a lot of variable variables are distributed this way in the population. It is true. Probably things like human height are distributed normally. I think it's a pretty good guess, right? I think. Well, we know that IQ is normally distributed because the tests are designed. A lot of characteristics of biological systems So complex, things like height that are multi-causal, things like weight There are just as many people who are seven foot four as there are people who are, as well as there are people who are. four feet tall. You know, by the way, if you're American and you're male and you're over seven feet tall, there's a one in six chance you play in the NBA. So if you're over seven feet tall and you're American, there's a, there's a one in six chance that you play professional basketball. That's how few people actually are that tall. If every team, let's pretend every team has two seven foot, you know, that's problem. That's, that's easy enough. That means just what? There's 32 teams or 31 teams. It was it 30? Let's say it's 30. So there's 60 guys. Multiply that times six. That means there's only 360 people in the entire United States. It's a really good country population wise. They're that tall. That's a weird statistic I learned on the 538 website, which is a website devoted to statistics and all well that. It's just basically something I like. So we can use these standard techniques. If a lot of things are distributed this way in the population, we can come up with some standard techniques, and of course you know people have, to deal with this. In fact, one of the cool things is with sampling distributions, there's a thing called a central limit field. And sampling distributions of a population are normal, this is what this Okay, so normal with a mean of mu and a variance of sigma over the square root of n. So what this is saying is, notice how it didn't say that the population has to be normal. It doesn't say that. It says no matter what the population is you're measuring, as long as it has more than one value. The sampling distribution will be normal. So if I said, and this is this is counterintuitive. I will grant you this is counterintuitive. If I flip a coin ten times, how many heads should I get on average? Ten times. Please just share it. Uh, Yeah. Of course, right? This is that was not a tricky question. It's a fair coin. You should get five <coughs> heads. And let's do this an infinite number of times. It's a thought experiment. We're going to do that if we're going to flip the coin 10 times an infinite number of times. On average, the most common thing we're going to get. be 5. We're going to get 6 sometimes, right? It's going to happen. And we're also going to get 4 sometimes, right? We should get 4 heads as often as we get 6 heads. Does that just make intuitive sense that we're going to be math that, that makes sense, right? It just should happen. It's true, in fact. So, and it's going to be a little lower than 5. But it's going to happen. And then there's going to be seven heads and three heads. It's going to be a little lower. And then eight, two, it's going to be a little lower. And then one, and nine. And then sometimes we'll get zero heads, and sometimes we'll get ten heads. It's going to happen. But it's going to be not very common. Holy crap we have something that has only two possible values. But the sampling distribution is normal. Dude. Now there is a mathematical proof of that, but I'm not going to share it with you because, well, there's two reasons. First, it's the scope of this course. Second, I can't remember it. <laughs> so when I was in graduate school, they said, our prof said, uh, there's the truth, the essential, in a the theorem. You didn't need to know that. No. <laughs> so this is cool, right? So what this is saying, first of all, is it's normal. It's going to have a mean of mu sub x, which is what we have here, five, and it's going to have a variance of sigma squared over n, or a standard deviation of sigma over n. It's actually 10 times 0.5 times 0.5 square of that. Doesn't matter. Just a binomial extension. The important point here is it's going to get the sigma is fixed. It's, it's a parameter, but n changes. Yes, we could change n. We could make it 1,000 flips instead of 10 flips. We could change the other thing. As sigma gets smaller, or, oh, sorry, larger, what happens to sigma over square root of n? Which one's n. It gets smaller. Yeah, it gets smaller. So as. limit of sigma over the square root of n as n approaches infinity equals zero. If n is impossibly large, anything over an impossibly large number approaches zero. What that's telling us is the distribution is getting tighter and tighter and tighter as the number of observations increases. Right? Does that make if the limit thing helped you, that's right. if like, oh, great. If you went, oh, grade 12 math, that's fine. If it doesn't help you, just think of this. As the n gets bigger, as it gets impossibly large, the variance will get smaller and smaller, meaning the distribution will get tighter and tighter. Does that make sense? Right? Does, it, does it not make sense? Okay, no. I didn't right. learn that slide. So well, let's guess. do that. But, right. <laughs> so, the hell with you. But, I kid, because I'm not. <laughs> think about this. Let's think of a different example instead of something bizarre like Let's think about all Algoma University students as a population. Okay? They're all registered, right? All people registered in a single class right now. And we are going to measure their heights. And we can pretend we know it. their immediate physical Let's say it's 170-70%. Fine. If we sample 10 people, we're going to randomly choose 10 people each time. On average, we will get an, an average of those, of those averages, which is a weird good thing. We will get a number that is the same as the population mean. We're saying 10 people, there's what? Let's say there's 1,200 students. Something like that. More now. Let's the more. But it's gonna be pretty spread out because sometimes we're just gonna randomly select people and we're gonna end up for some reason with a whole bunch of short people. Sometimes we're gonna randomly select people and we're going to get the men's basketball team. It's going to happen. Right? And they're all So the chance of those two things happening is probably about the same. unlikely. More likely we're going to get going to get an average of around 170, plus we about that's. So instead of sampling 10 people, let's say we sampled 20, the spread of that distribution is going to tighten because we're getting closer and closer to measuring reality. This is one of the few cases where we actually know a population parameter. We could literally actually go measure everyone's height be a strange experiment. I don't know why it wouldn't be anything ethical with problems. It would just be a weird thing to put into the ethics panel. I want to measure everyone's height. Why? Because. <laughs> it's a secret. That would not get past the ethics animals. We're not telling. We don't like that. I'm on the RAD. We don't like. We're not telling. That, that, that's We reject us. Okay. Now what if I measured? So, as N approaches infinity, well, infinity in this case, not infinity, it's 1,200. When we measure 1,200 people, all the students from the school here. their heights, we're going to get an average of 170, then we're going to do it again. We're going to get 170, we're going to do it again. We're going to get 170 because we're measuring the same thing every single time. What's the variance of a whole bunch of numbers that are exactly the same? Nothing. The very of 170, 170, 170, 170, 170. Oh, well, it's zero. Right? Does that make sense? Nice. The fun thing about this course is I can actually see light bulbs going all over your heads. <laughs> it's fun. So that's that's kind of a cool property. And the fact that we we'll always end up with a normal distribution, even with something weird like flipping a coin that's binary, tells us there's something special in the normal distribution. So we'll have to keep that in mind. File that away for a second. OK. Shifting gears a little. Let's think of, here's a, here's a weird looking distribution you will never see in the world. <laughs> this is what I like to call a triangle distribution. I don't think it exists, so i made it up. We'll call it a broad Beckian distribution, because no one's named it. <laughs> so uh, let's say we want to know the probability of getting a score on this variable between 3 and 7. Sure, that's doable there's an easy way to do this, you would do this with geometry, right? Wouldn't yeah. be that hard, actually. You would just, the area under that curve which is just geometry. We have to get a square. Yes, maybe it's a right rectangle. But how do you get the area of a rectangle? Oh. One side times the other. That's pretty easy. And then you got a triangle, half base times height. Yes, all that stuff you learned in grade five does come back at some point in your life. It comes back when you have to buy flooring. And you work out how much hardwood floor you have to buy, and then you go, oh my god, I have to know the shape I have it like, okay. that's easy. Mm-hmm. And then you realize the room you have downstairs that you I addressed the floor and they don't know how to use square. So it's more like a trapezoid. <laughs> I don't need a square. I can die. I can also smell level. But things are going through. I have some. Wait, this room is 22 feet long. That's fine. Except that here it's 11 feet wide. And here it's 11 feet wide and 3 inches. That's not supposed to be. I don't have a table saw. <laughs> go to the neighbor, can you rip this? But at the end of this board, it has to be this one. My wife has a table saw. Because Jesus an I have lots of pots and pans. We've completely flipped with the general stuff roles. <laughs> but it's not a common shape. Like, I, I, you know, you can look at that and go, look at that, look at that. Triangle, look at a square. It's not a common shape. You actually have to know how to do calculus don't worry, you don't have to actually know calculus to do this work because some poor bastard did the calculus for you a long time ago. But this is done with calculus. So again, out of curiosity, I asked the other day, how many people here have actually taken some calculus? Oh, it's a good chunk. Yeah, that's nice. High school or university? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Both? <laughs> Very you <normal>. do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. At Western, uh, to do undergrad had to do a, a first year math course. <coughs> so, most people took uh, applied linear algebra because it was made for people who were in math majors. I took calculus for math majors because I'm an idiot.
0: <laughs>
1: Near the end of the course, I was like, I don't know what's going on. But, and that's when I got up and left. Like, I literally got up and left. I and mean, they told me the to story from the great doctor, Dr. Kochman. You wrote our textbook, he was amazing. And he was this orthodox Jewish man. Um and he had well, we all got a, a prayer shawl, and he was very serious, and he had a really cool sense of humor. And he knew all our names or some people in class. Which is really something, because we're a first-year calculus class, and we're all our names. And one day I got I was learning about, I was trying to learn about Taylor and McLaren series. And I couldn't get it. I had no, I was lost. And I just got up. And this is in March, and I was, I was doing really well. Stood up. Mr. Broadback, where are you going? So I'm going, uh, this is no fault of yours, sir. I I've tried, I don't understand this, I'm working really hard, but I don't get it. And am go to do tutorials. I'm, I'm sorry, I don't, I think I'm wasting your time and you are wasting money. And it's not your fault. This is all on me. He said, he said, so well where are you going to go? I said, I'm gonna to go to spoke and have beer. And one of the bars of us he goes, Well good luck, Mr. Broadback! He He was awesome. He's the guy I once told our in that class, in that intro calculus class, he said to us, at one point in your life, if you don't know the answer, just guess seven. (laughs) It's bound to be right at some point. Just go cheer randomness. And I did use that once in graduate school. I just wrote seven. (laughs) It was right. It was great. So in fact, you would take the integral. Oh, look at that! I don't know what that means. All this says, this is that funny sign just means calculate the area under a curve, taking the integral, um, of f of x. That's the function. And give it to me between 3 and 7. That's what that is. There's a way to do it. You'd have to know what the function looks like, like the equation of it. And actually, it's not hard to do It's not a hard thing to learn how to do It's very mechanical. um, And yeah, it's really not too bad. And then they, your calculus class is now imagine if it was being spun around. You go, oh, oh, no, that was a solid. That's hard. So you might say, I don't know cal- calculus. Well, it's too bad. Um, it's too bad that not enough people know calculus, because calculus is actually beautiful. It's the first time when you're taking math and you go, oh my god, the is really cool. Like when you're doing math before that, you go, oh, that's just eight update geometry's cool, okay, proofing idea, these guys guys, we'll trick it on if you That's interesting this, you go, how does that even work? Why is that update? It's neat. Calculus is really neat. What is it? What is calculus? Yeah. Uh, it's the study of area under a curve and changes in uh, slope of uh, distribution of, 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 of equations. But it describes it's math that it describes the universe the best way to describe it. It's It's a a beautiful thing. Calculus is neat. It really is neat. And if you don't know any, I'm not saying go take a calculus class, but there's got to be videos on YouTube and stuff. Just intro calculus and watch them. It's neat math. Okay, that's the normal distribution. That's actually the formula for the normal distribution. So f at x, that's the y, right? Is 1 over the standard deviation times the square root of 2 pi times e to the negative x minus the mean divided by 2 times the variance. I'm never going to ask you this. What would be that? If you do know calculus and remember taking integrals, that's a horrible integral to take. That would not be a fun one to do. It's ugly. Uh, you know what pi is? I'm sure y'all know what that is. is another mathematical constant. It's 2.7182818. It's just another mathematical constant, okay? So you can just take the integral of this function, which uh, is not easy. But what you would actually do, and then you take the integral, and then put in, say, 95 and 100 to 7. Let's say you want to find out the IQs of between Probably depending on IQ between 95 and 107. First of all, you take the interval, so you'd have this is 15, this would be 100, this would be 225, right? Because that's just the standard deviation, the variance, and the mean for a distribution. And you go from there. And in fact, typically, that's actually what you're doing when you do when you look things up in a z distribution. That's kind of what you're doing in that zed Now, you could make it a little easier. What if we made made the mean 0 and the variance 1? In other words, the standard normal. This is a little bit easier. In fact, that's an integral that one could take a lot more easily if one had practiced doing integrals past 1985. I've done derivatives since, but I haven't taken it calculus comes up a lot, sort of theoretical stuff in biology, so it's with with uh, derivatives of bit, but not with So, there's, oh, it there is easier looking, right? Because we've taken the variance and the standard deviation made of one, we've taken mu and made it zero. That's a little easier. Like, you can see, it's a, little, it's a, a simpler equation. Still, It's not super easy. But what if we had a way to represent everything, instead of using that complicated one, make it a little simpler, and we could represent everything as where it falls in a distribution with a mean of 0 and a variance of 1. Well, that's what we do with the z-score. Right, so what I'm doing here, I've got 95 minus 100. Remember I'm saying I'm trying to find out the IQ, the, the, the probability of having an IQ between 95 and 100. So for 95, the z-value is negative 0.32, and for 107, the z-value is 0.466. That's the dis- distance between the mean, which is 0, and that z-value. And I just looked that up in a table. Actually, truth be told, my calculator did for it. My calculator has uh, built-in Z distribution function. You can also do it, I'll show you in a second, there's a really nice uh, web tool you can use that will actually uh, build in this area. So all of this is doing is I've taken 95 and 107, and I've converted them into these Z scores So I know that 95 is negative 0.32. And 107 is 0.466. That's right. there. I look those up and I added those two things together and I get, and I look up the probability of those two things in the, in the table and I get 0.310. Probability of those z values, I looked them up on the table and it just tells me. Okay? So look up those probabilities and it tells me that the probability of getting those two, of of, of a score in this range, is 0.31. This is something you did in intro stats. Right? This is something you played with before. Questions. So I just looked it up in the back in the table in the back of a book. Any stats book has a set table in it. And draw yourself pictures. I was gonna draw yourself self picture, because then the top of the page almost always you a picture of what the entries are about. And then go from there. Fine. Look, no one does these things by hand typically. Something like this I might do by hand because it's quick. I'd probably use a computer. See, someone did the calculus for you. So instead of having to know the integral of of the normal distribution, and take the integral, and then put the values in, somebody did this for you. A bunch of probably graduate students a long time ago did this by hand for you. And then they produced these tables. And they're just probabilities of getting certain z scores. They're areas underneath a z score, Uh, a z distribution. It's area under the curve. Somebody did that for you. So now you just look it up in a z table. So every time you look something up in a statistical table, I want you to quietly thank the people who are long dead who did this the calculus for you, so you don't have to do the calculus. Right. So there's a web tool, there's a link there, and I'll show you after, uh, I'll show you what it looks like in just a second. But, there's a lot of, look online, look for Z distribution calculator, something like that, you will find all kinds of stuff, really good, easy to use. So you don't even have to look things up in a table anymore. So that's the link there, so take a look at that at some point, and you'll find... Well, it looks like this. You put in the mean. You put in the standard deviation. And I put in these two, I said, I want it between those two. And look, it actually draws me a picture. Well, a nicer picture than I do on the board. And then it gives me the answer. 0.3049. What did I say? 0.301? OK, so because probably my cables weren't uh, didn't go to was going to guess someplace. by the way you get exactly the same result if you put in 50, uh, 100 15 and then 95 and 107 you get exactly the same probability The thing about the standard normal distribution is, it's made the, it made the calculus easier for everybody when they were originally doing, doing this. This is why I go to zero, one's near zero standard deviation one, so people could take the integral easily. So they could actually do, find out the area under that curve easily. So all you do is turn everything into z distribution, right? or uh, standard normal yeah, z distributions, or z scores. That's all you have to
0: do.
1: Questions so far? Okay. Now in a second, I'll show you the the we call it that web tool, and also we'll do some CSS stuff. But, but I'll show you some CSS stuff. I said some poor person did the calculus for you. Just think back probably had no money. Some poor graduate student just sitting there toiling away, thinking, I can't believe part of my PhD thesis is just doing these calculations over, over, over. It's not so much with the Z, but when we get to the T distribution and the S, we know that was graduate students. We'll be at for sure. The T was weird. The T was a guy who was a statistician working at brewery. He said, My great job. <laughs> we just look stuff up in tables now. Or you can use a web tool, or there's all kinds of other possibilities that allow you to figure these things out nowadays. This isn't that scary. This is stuff you've done before. It is unlikely it was shown to you in this way. Because frankly, when you're doing 2126, the intro stats, the idea is, can you just do this? Think about this. If when you were in second year and intro stats, and you were shown stuff from this sort of theoretical angle, it would scare 90% of the class into dropping the course. There's a, there's a reason. And the, no, I, I know, you guys are fine. you like, yeah, OK, cool, cool. But you guys are the people who want to take another stats course right after. Most people are like, I don't care. Right. They aren't the guy, but I was in my intro stats class to get Yeah, but why? It was like I was a two-year-old. Yeah. But why? And then you get the answer: the standard professor answer, I'm sorry, that's beyond the scope of this course. All right. So I'll stop recording here, and I'll show you that mm-hmm. web tool. Mm-hmm.
0: Sort of like the GNU license. Um, I hope you learned something. But if you didn't, I, unless you're one of my students, I really don't care. Um, the music, by the way, for each uh, song, for each uh, uh, episode, <laughs> lecture, uh, is uh, available. They're all podcast, uh, like podsafe music. So if you want to find out about the bands, there's links on my website at people.aoc.ca slash uh, if those links don't work, just contact me and I'll find uh, I'll find out. Um, often I put links uh, actually in the uh, if we call them show notes or blog posts. So uh, you know, buy these people's music they're they're making the stuff available out there. Uh, thanks, everybody. And we'll see you next time.